Hello, and welcome to Stumble Upon. I'm Austin. And I'm Emily. Today we are discussing Eve's Bayou, written and directed by Cassie Lemons. As always, there will be plenty of fucking spoilers. But if that doesn't scare you, the fortune tellers might. So listen to your mother, try not to curse your father, and do not fuck with generations of powerful women. Austin, do you have a synopsis for us today? Yeah, uh, I do. What did little Eve see, and how will it haunt her? Husband, father, and womanizer, Louis Batiste is the head of an affluent family. But it's the women who rule this gothic world of secrets, lies, and mystic forces. Yeah, actually, that was pretty good. That was all right. My, like, just... I don't know why it's only him, but... Yeah, but apparently he's the only character. Like, Eve saw something, but the father's really it. Yeah, yeah, it's really about Louis. Yeah, solid. Although, he might have been the most famous one in the group. Oh, he definitely was. So that might have been why. Uh, Though this one is... uh, do we have a second synopsis for us today? Here's here's another synopsis. Uh, what did little Eve see, and how will it haunt her? Passions as steamy as the Louisiana bayou drape around this acclaimed drama of extraordinary erotic tension and anxiety. New York Times. Husband, father, and womanizer, Samuel L. Jackson, is the head of an affluent family. But it's the women who rule this gothic world of secrets, lies, and mystic forces. It feels like they like took some of somebody else's synopsis mm-hmm. and then the first one and then blended it with the other. Either way you cut it, it's it's a good synopsis, but that that second one made it sound like there was a lot eroticism around little Eve. Yeah. Which ew. Yeah. Uh I, I wanna read you this as well because I thought this was just kind of funny. Okay. In nineteen sixty-two, Eve was only about ten and lived with her family in Louisiana. Her father, Louis, is a popular town doctor who has a beautiful wife and three children, including Eve. However, he is too knowing about his popularity with the women in town and is quite the flirt. When Eve sees him kissing and touching another woman behind their house, it distresses her, and she is convinced by her elder sister, Cecily, that it is all a misunderstanding of the situation. This is the first in a series of events in her memory that she recalls ended with her killing her father. However, the memory of a child can be a subjective thing. Uh, I love that. I mean, yeah. Because it's it's so weird how we get to the point. I mean, they're right. Yeah. It's just really... It's not... It doesn't really sell me on wanting to watch the movie. I, this, this person's review was not... Um, positive oh how could you not like the movie uh starting with the statement from eve and about her hand and her father's death i was ready for a mystery that would be dark and tense but the film has left that mystery in the air while going to on to be a slower but just as interesting story this is despite the fact that it seemed to rely quite heavily on voodoo and other similar southern cliches to move the story forward whoa whoa although this gradually becomes less important it is quite obtrusive early on and i found it a little off-putting but gradually got over it thanks to the story overcoming it with real emotional involvement from the characters wait what the writing of people is strong and the direction is quite assured even if some of the sets and shot framing were reminiscent of daytime TV. I, I think this person doesn't know how to construct proper sentences. Uh, I might also be speaking weirdly. No, no, you said the writing of people. <laughs> well, the writing of people. You know, 
the writing the writing of people were there multiple people writing this is that what they're suggesting they're no, saying the way that somebody wrote how the, people respond or act yeah wow I, that's a bad sentence it's an incredible sentence their review tells me not to listen to their review Overall, Helpful. the film is worth seeing. The story relies a bit too much on voodoo and such, and is rather forced to the extremes of events, but it is covered by never losing focus on the characters. Characters that are well-written and very well-performed on the whole. A bit too soapy for some tastes, I'm sure. But for me, it is quite engaging and very enjoyable little drama. So they liked it or they didn't like it? I don't know. They and don't know either. I also like that they demean the film with little drama. Oh, yeah. It's so fucking patronizing. Yep. Well, that dude can go fuck himself. Bob the Moo. Yeah. Bob the Moo. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> we should probably not give Bob the Moo credit. No, Bob, go fuck yourself. <laughs> fuck yourself, Bob. <laughs> That's how we feel. And now on to the film. I really love this film. Yeah. This is the film. I don't remember when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably back in Seattle, yeah. probably picked it up at Scarecrow yeah. randomly. And I really love this film. I feel like I've loved this film for a really long time. And it's such a good magical story. Mm-hmm. We were, we've talked about Practical Magic in the past, uh, a film I also love. But this film and, and Practical Magic, you know, uh, around the same time with Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock is based on magic it's about witches and everything like that and yet this film which is just regular people feels a thousand times more magical mm-hmm. and it's so much more exciting not that we have to compare and contrast it's just right. i just find it interesting that a film that isn't based in saying oh this is a, this is called eve's bayou it's about the place where eve grows up it's a place where the batistas grow up it's about the history of the batistas as well mm-hmm. it's their it's, family history yeah the 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 woman that she was named after who who was a slave who was freed for her for the skills that she had like the, for her healing powers yeah which which mimics what her father does mm-hmm. yes the doctor yeah it's just so beautifully written mm-hmm so well done. Every time you watch it, you can get a little bit more, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be so valuable. Yeah. It, it is a really, it's an incredibly rich text. And and like you, I think that I came to this film in Seattle years ago. I think that I saw it in the cinema. So when it first came out, like I, like it, this is still the time that I was very much uh, reading everything that I could come across of Roger Ebert's. And he loved this film, which is good, like, mark for him uh like he was a big fan of this film and i remember going and seeing it and like i mean i was in my early 20s no not even mm-hmm. like i was 97 i was fucking uh, a baby i was 19 when i saw this film like so there's no fucking way that i was that i understood any of what was happening like i just knew that i like i i remember distinctly really appreciating or really understanding that there was something here and I think that, like, maybe maybe if I put terms on it now, I'd be very much in line with kind of the theme that I find in the film, which is this, this relationship between where uh, adulthood starts and becomes your primary life and where, as a child, you're still trying to push these boundaries, like where you don't understand exactly what your actions are doing, but you... But 
but you're trying to figure them out. Yeah. And adults can talk to you about things and use a lot of words to mean almost the exact same thing that you do, but you don't understand what the shadings are. Mm. And I think that this the film... complexity of adulthood. Yeah, and I think that this film, like, for me, and what it was for me at that time was uh, this relationship between this these two states of being where I wasn't quite understanding what was the world that I was entering, but I knew that the terms that I had were not clear enough they were not shaded well enough to describe my actual experience in the world what a perfect time to see it then when you are in that transition space Mm -hmm. i mean yeah it's absolutely about that moment when Mm -hmm. i mean eve doesn't even get over to that moment yet she's still just starting to cross over yeah at 10 yeah And, and i think it's really important like there's there's two bits of narration in the film at the beginning and the end and they're both done by an adult voice not Eve's mm-hmm. voice, not Eve as we know her in the film, at least. It's Eve looking back at her life at some point and talking about this. And I think that that's really important to say that Eve doesn't even get to a point where she fully understands the repercussions of everything that happened till much later, if she ever really does. Because, like, I, I'm like, I'm not, throw, I'm not trying to throw shade on her as a character or her intelligence, but I'm just trying to say that. There are a lot of times where you don't ever really understand why or what you did and the impact it had on others. Or even that you take ownership for the impact you had on others Mm -hmm. when actually there were a lot of other factors at play Mm -hmm. that you're taking ownership of, but you actually didn't have any control over. Right. We look at... Like you look at what you were saying in regards to magic and in regards to kind of even fate and other things that that seem more ephemeral or or less concrete at least to us and and like how aunt moselle like all of her husbands die they die now she calls it a curse and other people say that she's cursed but did they steal that idea directly from eve's bayou who practical magic well if the book practical magic came out uh, oh, before right. Before that. So probably not. Fun. It's hard to put a finger on if she is actually cursed or not, because mm-hmm. like to part part of me, I'm like, yeah, she's absolutely cursed. And then there's a rational part of me. I don't think it's an irrational part of me that thinks that, yeah, she's cursed. I just think that like the part that is rational is like, no, like there are reasons. It's just unfortunate or whatever. But those but even those reasons, those explanations don't particularly clarify. Well, we don't know why two of them are dead. We only know why one of them is dead. Mm-hmm. And that one, Menard, dies from her, essentially her actions of having a lover and that lover coming and killing him for her. Yeah. So it's not her fault because it was another person who killed her husband. Yeah. Even if she was having an affair with him, that doesn't give you the right to go murder people. Mm-hmm. But that's the only one we know how he died. The other two we don't know. Although it looked like one of them had a uniform on, so he might have died in a war because he has a military uniform on in yeah. the photos and in the mirror and, stuff. And this was I think the film takes place in the 60s. So the, like he could have been sent off to Vietnam. Right. So we don't we don't know the reasons. We know they keep dying and of course you would think you're cursed after three husbands are dead. Yeah. But I do love that you're right. It's it's a, a question of fate. There's a lot of questions of fate. There's a lot of the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away concepts that mm-hmm. they keep throwing out there so the universe provides but the universe takes away. Yeah. I think I think if I may, there's so much trauma and sadness in this town, and understandably so. Yeah. That to say it is not my fault these things are happening, it is just the way of the universe. It's giving and it's taking. It is not me for me to know why. It is just for me to bear witness and to survive. Mm-hmm. 
and then experience what I experience and just keep moving forward. It's such an interesting concept. It's such a release yeah. to think along those lines when when you have that much shit come at you, which yeah. this town has. Yeah, and Elzora basically says, gives the opposite answer to all of the uh to all of the fate like elzora is she is the woman who works at the the farmer's market tell, the voodoo priestess yeah telling people their their fortunes she basically says to uh, eve that people get to their demise on their own time people have a way of dying at their own speed yes and i think that there's something really interesting about that because what she's putting into into the world outside of the magic or the voodoo or any of the beliefs of it is that your own agency puts things into action. Mm -hmm. Like you are responsible for the actions that cause you to have the reactions. That's all like she might cast a spell, but like that, that spell only has so much effect because it's only going to be, it's only going to affect how you view the things that are happening in front of you. That doesn't mean that the spell isn't working. That just means that you are taking a new construct, putting it onto a situation, and allowing that construct then to color the view that you have moving forward. And like thinking about how Lewis has his own demise. Those are all actions that he causes to himself. Absolutely. Throughout the film. The way that Aunt Moselle talks about her first husband he dies because of her actions and because of his, because of how he stands up to the guy who comes into his house and demands that his wife leave with him, which it, it's interesting to me in her recollection, in Moselle's recollection of this event, he says to the guy, get out of my house. And then she walks over to her husband's side and says, now please leave our house and I never want to see you again. And then the guy shoots her husband. Yeah, I do find it interesting that there's a lot of language in which the men are possessive of the women without mm-hmm. giving them a name. Yeah. And I find that frustrating and problematic, though accurate, probably mm-hmm. for the time period. Yeah. But also, like, I think there's that's a specific point that Cassie Lemons is making, that the women are reclaiming their agency yeah. and their position in the narrative at all times. Yeah. Cassie Lemons wrote and directed a beautiful piece of yeah. art. Yeah. I mean, she fucking nailed it. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And I think it's it's I think it's her masterpiece. Yeah. And I know she talks about how this was almost autobiographical on some level for her. It was very much her childhood. It was how she grew up. I'm assuming she didn't kill her father, but I don't have any information about that. Um, You're just putting that out in the just, world. Just, just, just I'm assuming to, just to plant the seed in case like saying like some true crime person wants to come along and dig up dirt. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anybody to dig up dirt on yeah. Cassie Lemons. She's a great director on this, and and I want to see more of her work. You just you're just speculating. I'm just saying. <laughs> She said it was autobiographical, so uh-huh. I'm just, you know, I'm missing. Yeah. Of course. It's yeah. more of the feel. Yeah. Uh, but I love that. I f- and I think what she brings to the table is this intense authenticity of the space, of how everything feels. Like, you feel the heat and the rain. You feel the fear. You f- And it's very much from the perspective of a kid, so everything feels disjointed, mm-hmm. confusing. You hear her Aunt Moselle and her mom talk to her in a way that is very adult, especially Moselle, mm-hmm. talks to Eve from as like a peer on some level, but then also reprimands her and parents her. And that's really interesting because it's this constant flux of back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Which is accurate because mm-hmm. you're growing up, so you're getting more information, which every kid wants is more information. They want, they want to know what it's like to be an adult. 
but you still have to guide them to become a great adult. I don't know. I think she just dances that line so beautifully. Yeah. It feels to me that the film is about our relationship to our memories and how they can change consistently with where we are in our lives. So let's pick a couple scenes that we really enjoyed and break them down. I love the uh, reflection scenes, the scenes in the mirror with Aunt Moselle. Yeah. I love how we bring the characters into reflection only and she can retell the stories as we see them behind her. And then my favorite is when they're back at uh, Eve's house and she's and Aunt Moselle is discussing her husband's and explains the death of Maynard, but she goes back and joins the reflection. Mm-hmm. And Eve steps into her place. Yeah. And Eve stands there and watches through the reflection her aunt tell the story. Mm-hmm. And since we've established that Eve has the sight, it always made me wonder if actually Aunt Moselle could manifest these reflections. Yeah. And Eve can see them because she also has that skill. Right. Or if it's just the incredible storytelling capacity of Aunt Moselle that if Eve is just captured. Mm-hmm. Also a question of is Eve stepping into the shoes of Aunt Moselle by literally taking her place in the mirror? Uh-huh. All of it. I don't know. There's a lot happening and I love it. Well, let me ask you a question in regards to that. If she is seeing everything that Aunt Moselle is presenting, what does that do for the narrative for you? Does it make Eve like a stronger character that she actually can see these things? Or if not, if we as an audience are the only ones seeing it. Like, you know what I mean? I do. I don't know that it matters to me, but what do you think? Because I I do think it matters. I think it matters quite a bit that if she sees it, if she's seeing everything that's in front of her and seeing everything that's... In the mirror. In the mirror. Okay. If she's seeing everything that is presented to her by her aunt in the mirror, then her engagement in this world is greater instead of it being a figment of or a or a falsary like that we are only seeing it. Engagement as in engagement in the world of of magic of sight of magic of of all the things that like it connects Aunt Moselle and her in a greater way. Mm. Like it makes her on her plane for me in the same way that say in the same way that at the end or near the end where she is thinking about killing her dad through voodoo, she she and her aunt have a moment where they touch hands and the aunt pulls her hands away. The power that her actually seeing all the things that her aunt can see is not unimportant amount of strength. Well, we are talking about a 10-year-old. Yeah. And we are talking about her memory, since we established this from the beginning, this is the mm-hmm. memory of this 10-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And so they could be exactly what she saw in her head, whether or not Aunt Moselle actually saw it, I don't know. And, and what you're saying gets to a greater level of truth that I think is interesting in the film as well. Because we are dealing with memory, because memory is a fickle thing and and, and can be a, a, a very elusive property of being a human how much of this film do you think is true then are these all truths i mean what does she say at the end she says that uh she says about color and memory at the end eve says but truth changes color depending on the light and tomorrow can be clearer than yesterday one portion of that and this might get maddening (laughs) is go for it is this tomorrow in that statement oh or is this yesterday? No, I think... Well, okay. There's no right or wrong answer. Right. But... Correct. Oh, 
well, I don't need your approval. <laughs> but I gave it anyway. Um, I believe what is being said here is tomorrow can be clearer than yesterday in the sense of Eve has sight and therefore can see tomorrow mm-hmm. ahead of time. And what she actually experienced can be muddled and confusing. Mm-hmm. So for her or Aunt Moselle, it might be easier to see what is ahead than to process what has been happened. Right. No, that's a really good read of that. Well, I'm a smart person. Debatable. Correct. I didn't need your approval. Nah. Uh, but <laughs> like, yes, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. What I would like, what I, I think what I'm getting at is that even the film itself, and, and, and this is kind of a, a, a tangential thought. Even the film itself could be viewed as something that doesn't have a firm grasp on any specific event that caused it. I would like, agree with that. There's context to all of the all the things that happen in the film, mm-hmm. but all those contexts are are presented to us through somebody who who actually says that memory gets changed by the color of the light, by the temperature of the room, basically. Like, so your, so her relationship to this memory is fraught. It is a, it is a origin story that can be both believed and disbelieved. Well, she says truth can change color. Yeah. So I guess you're saying memory is truth. Yeah. Cause mm, well, yeah. this, because this film is a memory and we are presented it as truth because okay, yeah. how, how we view film is we believe that what is happening in front of us is true and exactly what is intended rather than it all being a lie. Right. She is an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. and establishes that at the beginning yeah. by the very fact that she repeats her first sentence but changes it slightly at the end. Yeah. Like it changes from the year that I, I was 10, year old, 10 years old when I killed my father to... Uh, the night, the the year my father went to sleep. The summer my father said goodnight, I was 10 years old, versus the first line, the summer I killed my father, I was 10 years old. So even that truth changes. Mm-hmm. And it's... I like it. A, and in regards to that other line of truth changes color in, uh, in light, the first time she says it, it's in black and white. Mm. The, and the second time she says it, we're in color. Like there's... A different, like, there's an actual color temperature change to the film, which is also an incredibly wonderful choice by uh, Cassie Lemon. Yeah. It's just a fucking beautiful choice to to highlight what she's saying without fucking bells or whistles. Yeah. No, she masters the use of cinema to tell a story that can only be told through cinema. Yeah. Which is the nicest thing. It is so, it can be frustrating when you watch a film that you're like, well, this could have been a play. Yeah. Or frustrating when you're like, I guess I read the book. Yeah. You know, it's it's really nice when a director can grab a piece of art and really use all the elements that only allow that to happen in cinema, like the whole use of the mirrors, mm-hmm. the whole use of the color changes, the temperature changes, the black and white, the mm-hmm. experiencing this, the sight, the memories, mm-hmm. the visions. Mm-hmm. We get to experience that because we see yeah. this, the, this, rapid fire pictures that we can't quite make it out and Mm -hmm. it's fabulous i love that use of cinema when you dig in and you play with all the elements yeah and it does it does really great work with shorthand Mm -hmm. that you can do in cinema that you can't do in 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 other in other art forms like we travel to so many places in this town but we understand that eve's family is well off Mm -hmm. 
and they're definitely the, t- the top of the pack. And that the town is not. Yeah. Like you, her, their house having that party when we open up at their house and yep. the beautiful house mm-hmm. and um, the beautiful party they're throwing mm-hmm. and the champagne and the food. And, and their dresses. Oh, like, like stunning. S- seeing both Roz and Moselle in those fucking dresses. So at the beautiful. Top. So fucking beautiful. And and everything that Moselle wears is so fucking gorgeous. It is so incredible, the clothes that she wears. Both the women, both Moselle yeah. and Roz, they both wear incredible clothes. Yeah. And then he is such, he, he is the king of the party. Yeah. Um, Sam Samuel Jackson just crushed this. Yeah, he's fucking. He knocked it out of the park. He's so good in this film. He's so good. I would argue this might be his best work. Yeah, he is everything you need him to be in this because he's charming. Like he's somewhat dangerous. He's lecherous. Like you believe. You believe he loves the hell out of his kids, and you also believe that he could be molesting his daughter. Like, like it's, it's you don't know what it is. There's such an incredibly fine line that he is able to walk throughout this film that is so. So skillfully done. Yeah, he nails it. Yeah. And it's a hard character. Yeah. It's a really hard character, especially because Cassie Lemon shows us the scene with his daughter both ways. And what a fucking, what a fucking scene. That scene, I I imagine, was a point of consternation with the, uh, the, the people who were producing it. Being like, how are you going to shoot this? Right. How are you going to shoot a scene where the... 14 year old daughter kisses her hu- uh, kisses her father on the mouth yeah with intent like right? how are you gonna shoot that is it gonna be like behind the door and we don't really see it and right. like then we see the response she's like no i'm gonna show it i'm gonna actually have the actors show it and we're gonna do the scene and so important and she is so very clearly a 14 year old girl yes her teeth and her little colt legs and yeah everything about her is very much a little girl and he's very much a man oh yeah like, it is freaky yeah there is no Oh, maybe the ages are no. okay. Maybe Mm-mm. it's like a 90210 thing where they're 18, but they're actually 30 in high school. It's yeah. fine. She's like, no, this is a She's child a and an adult. Girl. Yeah. I mean, everybody crushes their part. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, a Journey Smollett yeah. really shines. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, this this is the thing about this film. And, you know, something to chew on when you're watching it is to think about, as a director, she, Cassie Lemons wrote a film that is run by a 10-year-old girl mm-hmm. as the star of this movie. And you have got to find somebody who can pull this the fuck off. Yeah. And she does. Yeah. It's equal to when the Coen brothers found mm. uh, Haley Stansfield for... for uh, True Grit. Yeah. Yeah. Like finding somebody who can actually anchor a film as, as a child actor Ugh. is fucking impossible. Especially when you're dealing with these adult type of issues. Mm-hmm. And this she, is hard. And, and it's like, it's an exceptional amount of talent from the direction and the the acting and everyone around, the crew, everyone, to make sure that the kid doesn't feel more adult than they need to. Right. They should still be a little kid. They all, and all three kids, even, even Megan Good, who is the, uh, who's Cecily, Cecily. yeah, the, the oldest daughter, her performance, well, for me is is not the best out of the out of the three she also has the hardest fucking thing she to do. does have so much to do she has to be like she has to be kind of flirting with her dad right ew yeah ew and also be a kid and mm-hmm. and be in that place where you're the oldest sibling who just is like fuck you ch- fuck you a younger sibling stop yeah. getting into my shit like i want to be i want to form myself right now i'm trying to define who i am right and you don't have she has no friends yeah. like we don't meet we don't get to 
yeah. meet her with any friends, no boys in the town, no girls in the town, mm-hmm. like nobody for her to flirt with, yep. nobody for her to befriend. Yeah. It's she's very isolated there. And I imagine the whole family is really isolated because they are the wealthy yeah. family of the doctor in this small town. And yeah. it is really isolating to be that. Mm-hmm. And I find that really interesting. So yeah, of course, Megan Good or Megan Good, either way you cut it. Uh, she she really does crush a lot of the part. And I love the use of Shakespeare uh-huh. that we open with Romeo and Juliet. We actually keep referencing Romeo and Juliet throughout the whole film. Yep. And this idea of star-crossed lovers, mm-hmm. which she very much identifies as. Yeah. And although we do notice that she plays Romeo, that she's climbing the tower, her little sister's playing Juliet. Uh-huh. And... It's just fascinating the use of Shakespeare yeah. throughout the whole film. And, and I would say that she's they chose to have her be Romeo because she she's the aggressor in the situation. She mm-hmm. is the one who is pursuing. She's climbing yeah, up she, to the balcony. Yeah, she's pursuing, in a lot of ways, she's pursuing her father's affection and attention. And that eventually evolves because of what her father is doing Correct. into a... a a disfigured version of of affection. Right, because of course the only way he's showing affection to women, uh-huh. he's showing so much of it sexually. Yeah. With everyone. Yeah. Uh no wonder it gets all distorted in her little brain. Yeah. She's a little kid. Yeah. And little kids don't know anything. And, and this is the repercussions of acting this way for him. Like his repercussions is his kids are going to get confused on how you act around adults. Because if the only way that adults interact with each other in a positive manner is this, then that's what you're going to do. Is mm-hmm. if it's if it's sexual, then it's going to be sexual. So like, whereas like at least for Cecily, like for for Eve, her relationship with her aunt is exceptional because mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing. And yeah, she's mirroring her aunt. Yeah, in the mirror. Mirroring. Oh my god, mirrors, mirrors for days. High five you. High five me. <laughs> that, that was you high-fiving, even I, though I five myself. I'm high-fiving me. Well, you know, and another character I find really interesting is Lynn Whitfield's Roz. Mm-hmm. Because Roz has a lot to do as well. And it's a hard, thankless role. She was clearly a wealthy child mm-hmm. of a prominent family from mm-hmm. probably the big city. Yeah. We can assume that Samuel Jackson got was top of his class. Yeah. He was probably incredible at school in the big city at medical school. Yeah. Working his ass off and but he's a black man yeah. and it's the 50s or 60s so he sure as shit isn't going to get an, a prominent doctor role as a surgeon yeah. in New York or anywhere yeah. major. So he's brought back to the town he grew up in and he's now the top dog in this really small pond. Yeah. And let's just blend those metaphors together. <laughs> and <laughs> dogs are 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 historically uh, in ponds. Togs and ponds. They do end up in ponds, but not quite for the same reason. Um, you're welcome. She's so smart. Um, but but no, it is really interesting that the subtext of all that, mm-hmm. of him being this probably brilliant doctor yep. who's being forced, as he says, to push aspirin on the elderly, and that is all he gets to do, despite his medical degree. And she's thinking, sweet, I'm going to marry this doctor. I'm going to live this fancy life. And he does provide her with a beautiful fancy life, but like, probably not what she signed up for. And again, it's that expectation in the 50s and 60s of women having to marry into what their dream is mm-hmm. versus what 
they can manifest for themselves because you're not allowed to. Yeah. Which is why Moselle is, you know, a seer. Yeah. Because that's the job she has available to her. Yeah. And, and also, like, all of what you're saying is something that I find really, really well done by Cassie Lemons in this film, which is she is actually able to say in the film the subtext as text mm. consistently. It's an like it's an incredible balancing act because all you're saying right there, all that stuff about Eve's father and her mother and all of that is said basically by Moselle. She says, all I know is that most people's lives are great disappointments to them and no one leaves this earth without feeling terrible pain. And that is, mm-hmm. that is actually what is happening to her, her brother, uh, Eve's father and Eve's mother. Like, they, and Moselle. Yeah, and Moselle. Like, their lives are incredible disappointments to themselves. And when they leave it, they leave in pain. Like, it's it's an incredible, hey, here's a thesis for you guys. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna spell it out because you might not be smart enough to follow what's going on. But I'm also gonna be really interesting. And, like, this is what our, our old professor Owen Harris used to Owen say. Owen Harris! It's like, Woo! you have somebody say, who's not the main character, the thesis of the film or the point of that you're trying to drive in so that you can then apply it to everyone else without, like, because this film would be much shittier if, uh, if, uh, uh, Eve said it right at the beginning. No, if Roz said it, man, my life is a disappointment. Oh. And, you know, if like everybody gets out with p- terrible pain, like. Or if she just was like, I expected to live a different life and yeah. this is what I had and this is what I was as a child and I can't believe this is my life. Or, 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 or her dad says that, Lewis says that at some point drunkenly to his sister, I was expecting to have this type of life and you da 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 da. Yeah. Like, like that, mo- that movie would be so melodramatic and so bullshit, but the way that. The way that they handle giving off thesis statements to people, giving it to Moselle basically over and over again, and couching it in her terrible trauma, which seems to run opposite or like parallel or or maybe even just like perpendicular to the plot of the film, like all the ter- all the shit that's happened to her husband's, all of that is just the story that's happening that doesn't seem like the main drive of what's going on in the it's film. It's like a tapestry in the background. But it it's exactly that. It becomes a mosaic. It's like, oh, here's this whole fucking thing of sadness and disillusionment and and memory and history and life that is all happening all at once. But there's no way for one single person to capture that. As much of a seer as she is, she says, I can't see what's happening in my own life or, mm-hmm. or, or, blind. or my husband's lives. Yeah, blind to them. Yeah. Something that really struck me about this film as well is that there is such an exceptional attention to space and time. And what I mean in that is that Cassie Lemons gives a lot of time to side characters. Mm. It's The narrative isn't just this one family mm-hmm. and what this event is it's not it's not straightforward it feels in a lot of ways very like altman to me of like there's totally a, altman there's a ton of characters like you ha- like i don't give a shit if you watch this once and are like hey i don't know exactly what happened but i think he might have molested this person and then he died i don't know but like there's yeah. so much vibrancy to everything and I was just wondering how those side characters kind of affected you and if you had anybody that you really, like, really kind of popped out to you. There are two people that really popped to me. And I love, and to be clear, I love all the side characters because it brings, again, really rich depth to this town. You really, you really get to know everybody. And we talked about Sister Sister last episode. And I don't want to compare them just because they're both in the bayou. Mm-hmm. But 
you don't get to really know anybody other than the boyfriend, the yeah. sheriff. Yeah. Like there, you don't get depth of, of all the wonderful side characters. You get yeah. the family that visits kind of, but mm-hmm. even they rule. You don't get to know the them very well at all. No. And in this, the economy of, of story is very, very tight. Like you don't spend a lot of time with everybody. And yet, and yet you learn so much mm-hmm. so quickly in such an interesting way. Yeah. So some of my favorite characters on the side were the clients of Moselle. Yeah. Both of her two clients that we meet, the second one especially, the older woman whose niece has stolen all, all of her, her money. Yeah. And I really, I think something that's really important about that is that it is the niece who is who is the villain in that. Yeah. And therefore, we can't go away saying all men are bad right. and all women are righteous because right. Moselle is cheating on her husband mm-hmm. or has cheated on her husband in the past. This woman comes in and her niece has stolen everything from her and she is destitute. Mm-hmm. So we're showing the rich tapestry of life being that every humans are complicated and all kinds of people are good and bad. Yeah. Betrayal knows no gender. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. I think it, you just had, she just had a little bit mm-hmm. Like you have the first one whose son has run off and, and is a drug addict. Yeah. And the second one, the niece has run off and stolen all her money. Yeah. And I, th- I just really like the, those characters and just the, the grief that both women come to the table with mm-hmm. is authentic and real and, and powerful. And even though it's really brief, it gives you more understanding of Moselle and it gives you more understanding of Eve as well as these women. Mm-hmm. And we get to meet the second woman later when she's visited by the doctor and you see her feeling better and strong and powerful and smiling. Mm-hmm. And like she has control because she has the voodoo magic. Yeah. So I really like that. And the other character I really, really like is Harry. Yeah. Moselle's husband, her third husband. Yeah. Who who we meet in the, the, the party scene. Yeah. Just that first scene. Oh, but he like is is alive. He dances like I just I wanted the whole movie to have him in it. And yeah. I'm so pissed he died. Yeah, he he's so fucking vibrant and mm-hmm. and like both those scenes that you're talking about, like the Harry yeah. scene, they 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 set so much up without it being like here's a setup. So yeah. like they set so much up. The first scene with Harry sets up how Lewis is a hothead and is going to keep making moments of of fights bigger than they need to be yes foreshadowing the scene that i'm talking about with harry harry and uh moselle are leaving the party harry is fucking drunk off his head and and lewis just kind of keeps picking at him and then harry tries to throw a punch and like eventually moselle gets his car keys and they drive away but we see in that scene both the vibrancy of life that Harry has and then what's gone from Moselle so that we understand why she's so sad. It's totally understandable yeah, why she's wonderful. In in two scenes, we're we're able to see exactly what we're gonna miss for the rest of the film without him in the it. Big a big hole without him. And also exactly how Lewis is gonna handle every confrontation mm-hmm. with he's, this idea of entitlement yep. and righteousness that nothing's going to touch he's me. He's going to one up everything. And the second time it ends in him getting shot. And it, it's interesting that it ends with Harry dying yeah. at the end of that scene. We don't see how, we don't know why, Yep. but it's such a foreshadowing moment mm-hmm. because your behavior is, it's not his fault that Harry dies, but yeah. it's interesting. It's just a foreshadowing moment. Yeah. And then also we get to discover Eve's sight in that first scene as well. Yes. Yes, because she yeah. goes to bed and has a, has a vision that Harry dies. Yeah. Oh, so good. And, and speaking of uh, of the two women that uh, Moselle helps that you were talking about before, two things. One, the the first woman whose whose 
son is a drug addict, the size difference between them. And yet, like, there's a scene, like, as she's leaving, as the woman who's asking Moselle for help is leaving, we see them through a framed door Mm -hmm. as Eve is watching this last moment. The woman who's asking for help is so much bigger, but feels so so, tall, but feels so much more meek than Moselle. And Moselle is just this tiny woman who just exudes power. Yeah, and strength. And then the second woman who who asks her for help, there's a really interesting thing to me about how how grief overwhelms people. Moselle is helping people shortly after her husband has died. The first woman says right off the bat, uh, I'm sorry about your uh, I'm sorry about Harry. He was a great man. I don't know why the Lord took him. The second woman doesn't say that until Moselle is able to help. Uh-huh. And I think it's really important to recognize that both women say it, but when they say it in the scenes tells you as much about how selfish they are as people as anything else that happens in the scene. Or how desperate they are. Yeah. Also that, like with more empathy, how how desperate they are. The desperation just takes away their empathy. Like the second woman is only able to recognize that there's somebody else in the room when somebody can when that person can help them mm-hmm. and it's just it's a fascinating kind of discussion of how her work is just invisible labor yes like what she's doing for these women is like in anybody we only see women talking to her but anybody who comes in gray raven comes yes for yeah. her help later yeah and, and who is another incredible character that guy Oh my God. What a hottie. He's so beautiful. It, it's so interesting to watch him come into this, the world. And we have two or three scenes with him. There's not, they're not very long, but they are so caring and loving that by the end, after Lewis is dead and he picks up one of the kids oh, when they're he picks fighting. Up Cecily. Like, no, at the funeral. Yes. Was that at the funeral? At the funeral, he picks her up and he walks away with her. Yeah. Like the way that he starts interacting in the family he feels like part of the family mm-hmm. he fits right in he feels like this empathetic character this empathetic human that has been so needed in the world that they have that, mm-hmm. that he's going and this is putting a lot on him but it feels like he's going to be helpful to this family in their moments of in great these, trauma yeah in these in, in the following moments so he's played by uh Vondi curtis hall and it's like it's such an incredibly small role and it is so big and important that the film literally stops its momentum just to be like, hey, let's hang out with this guy for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're going to meet him. That really he, nice panning shot down. Of his clothes dripping right, onto his painting rain. supplies. Yeah. yeah, right onto the canvas. And you're just spending a minute and you're like, wow, the, the film has time for this. Yeah. And it does. And it does. And, and it really should have time for it. And then the camera mimics that by panning down to his head from above him Mm -hmm. as he starts to tell his story about his wife who he's trying to find. Mm -hmm. And then we just kind of spend this like feel this lazy Sunday feel with him for a little while as he tells his story and then he paints Moselle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're playing Etta James. And they fall in love. Mm -hmm. And and it's and then he does something, he asks her. He tells her in a scene later that he's he's leaving because he needs to find his wife, not to get back together with her, but to divorce her so he can marry Moselle. And Moselle's mm-hmm. like, you can't do that. No, nope, like, don't marry me. I'm barren and all of this. And I found how they handled the I'm barren conversation so wonderful because his comment wasn't about 
her worth as a woman. Mm-hmm. Who procreates. Yeah. It wasn't about like, that's the only thing you're good at. He said, he says that he's going to plant seeds in her heart. He doesn't say that you're going to heal her. Yeah. He doesn't suggest, in my opinion, that that that's going to be and now she's going to get pregnant. Right. Then everything will be great. He's absolutely not. He's just here to heal her heart, to to allow her to be the person that she can be. Uh huh. And, And and there's something really wonderful about how that is handled. As that's not how he approaches her he doesn't approach her like her value is through her womb it's Mm. her value is through her heart he sees it yeah which is interesting because quite often in cinema it is made to feel like you either are a parent you're a mom Mm -hmm. and you're either success or or a failure at it Mm -hmm. but you're a woman as long as you do that that's that's your true womanhood and that's definitely part of society yeah but there isn't a lot of space for women who aren't capable of having children for whatever mm. reason. Not the ones that choose to be child-free, but the ones who aren't capable of having children and that the end isn't to then provide them with that child. Like, mm-hmm. oh, but don't worry. Maybe we'll find one or, you know, you'll have a foundling or you'll adopt this person or you'll end up getting pregnant in the end or whatever. Mm-hmm. What I like about that moment, it's, it's showing visibility of women who don't have that ability and saying, you are a full human being. And we see you, and nobody's trying to make that different. Yeah. That's just your reality, and we're here to bear witness to that reality. Yeah. I liked that. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of pieces give space for that for that specific story. Yeah. Although you, we can all say that Joss Whedon fucking nailed it in the Marvel movies. No notes. <laughs> yeah. You nailed it, buddy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Strangle. Yeah. <sighs> Are there any other characters on the side that you want to mention? There's one more. Yeah. Though I wouldn't call her a side character. Elzora, mm-hmm. the voodoo priestess. Elzora is awesome. Uh, from the perspective of a little kid, she would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. I love that she terrifies the adults. Mm-hmm. I love that she lives and stands strong in her truth, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and isn't really afraid of anyone. Mm-hmm. I love that her clothes feel handmade mm-hmm. sometimes, like the dress of men's shirts it looks like at one point which yeah. is buying the fish um i love getting to see her house yeah i love getting to go out into the bayou and see that yeah and and see the difference between eve's house and elzora's house and also we see oh yeah and we also see moselle's house so we see a couple different homes mm-hmm. and we see some of the patients homes yeah so we get a sense of all the different kind of families and the different economic situations yeah, and stuff. The, cl- the class uh, structure mm-hmm. of of the town it's just it's really yeah. Awesome. It's uh, so interesting. The set deck is incredible. I also want to say that with reference to Elzora, she's goddamn gorgeous as well. Oh my god, everybody's beautiful in this movie. And I think that's important as a as a point of reference. It's every single age is represented in this film. Mm-hmm. Like we have the grandmother at home mm-hmm. all the way down to little kids. Mm-hmm. And every single person in the film is gorgeous in their own way. Yeah, but not necessarily in that boring CW way. Right. And and gorgeous in a way that is highlighted by the place that they're put by the filmmaker. They mm-hmm. are they are all put in places to succeed yeah. and and to sh- shine in how they look and how they present. Mm-hmm. And there's something really important about that level of representation in this film because it's it's important to, for us to see 
grandmothers looking good. Mm-hmm. It, like it's important for us to get past the idea of the golden girls being in their actually 50s? in their fifties and that being old. Like, like what the shit? Like it's important for us to look and see value in every age group, whatever value you need to see. Like a value is a good place to start. And so the fact that the film values everybody and looks at them with kind of an eagerness of you're beautiful. So let's highlight these elements from the scary witch to the grandmother. There's actually no Ren maiden and uh, and mother type. No. All those all those kind of tropes. T- yeah, those tropes are 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 broken down throughout the film. Well, everybody plays everything. Yeah, like the kids play villains yeah. at times. Uh, the kids are innocent at times. The mother is innocent. The mother is a villain. Everybody plays different roles and it allows us to see them in this full beauty of who they are rather than the 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 ideas that we might have coming to them what director lemons is able to do is show diversity of humanity yeah and that's really interesting yeah and and so much more interesting cassie lemons does just an exceptional job throughout like everybody who made this film who worked on this film the casting directors the, the cinematographer, the musicians, the editors, the costumers, every fucking person did just such a wonderful job building out this world so that it felt incredibly lived in. Yeah. Also, if you want to jump online and find the soundtrack to this movie, because it's awesome. Yeah. It's got some really great musicians in it. Yeah. Something I would love to discuss is what makes this film which is discussing eroticism and adultery and potentially, though unclear, incest mm-hmm. and other elements of sex with adults and children and the fl- and kind of the fluidity of all of that. Mm-hmm. What makes this film a New York Times celebration versus a video nasty, for example, uh-huh. toolbox murders, etc.? Probably because it's done in an acceptable way. Something like The Toolbox Murders or even the work of Roberta Finley. It's so upfront about the idea of sexuality as part of our being. And it does so in those films. While there are consequences, there's also a bit to be enjoyed about it. You're supposed to find the people incredibly erotic and attractive and... There's no sin attached to it. In the video nasties. Yeah. And and if the sin is there, like, the sin is the villain is lecherous, but we get to look into this world and, and people are afraid that they're going to identify with that negative element. Uh, and the, the whole uproar of the video nasties was this uproar of a moral outrage of somebody being like, okay, so... These films are purporting that sex and violence are something that uh, others are now going to try because of this. So you're suggesting that by not ever actually showing anything? Not really? No, I'm not doing that. I, I think that what I'm suggesting is that never for a minute in this very American film uh, are we presented a scenario in which we think that Lewis, the Sam Jackson character is doing anything other than stepping out on his wife. He's an absent father, and while he cares for his his kids, he's not really the main character of the story. Like, he he's the crux of what, what causes a lot of the issues in the film, but he's always viewed kind of 
lecherous. And and when the reveal in the end comes that he's possibly molesting his child in one moment, we're all for him getting killed. So we get moral outrage with with everyone. So our morality is left ba- intact. Yeah, is backed up by the by the seeming morals of the film, which the film then muddies actively muddies. Mm. And beautifully so. Yeah. And I think that I think that it, Cassie Lemons does a really good job with that muddying of the water to allow for us to be outraged about the possibility of Lewis's unforgivable carnal act and then be like but maybe the agency is on somebody else. Maybe some maybe his daughter has a part in it. To get a little bit further broaden out this, like one of the things that I love about the film is that every time it feels like they're limiting the agency of the women who are part of this world, the film stops and expands on the idea that these women have their own agency, that they have their own desires and needs that goes from their aunts, their mother, their grandma, the uh, the the voodoo priestess on the at the who sells her wares at the farmers market. Yes, to uh, to even Maddie uh, Lewis's lover. Like so, the film expands constantly on these expectations, but for me. I think that the the reason that the film kind of gets away with it and can be acceptable to these critics in this world is that it even if it muddies it, it muddies it in an intellectual way that they'll appreciate. Whereas video nasties, unless you're willing to engage in them in an intellectual level, you can easily dismiss them. Whereas this feels literary in the way that it's attacking or approaching its subject. So Austin, do you have any films you want to recommend to stumble upon next? I do. I have, I've been thinking about uh, a filmmaker recently. It's in part by watching uh, Eve's Bayou that, that it was brought up in my mind again. There's a filmmaker, Marlon Riggs, who I don't know. And so this is kind of a stumble upon for myself. And he made, he was a, a gay man, a gay black man in, in the 80s and 90s who made experimental films. He died of AIDS uh, in the early 90s, I believe. His collection of films, the Criterion Collection, put out as a, a box set last year. And I've just kind of been interested in in diving into his more experimental work because I don't have a frame of reference for him. But I feel like I feel like his his I feel like he's come up a bunch in things that I've been reading and looking at recently, and I kind of feel like I should get better acquainted with his work. That sounds fun. I want to watch his stuff. Yeah. It's on the Criterion channel? It is not on the Criterion channel. It's in their collection. Okay. So we have to dig around and find it. Exactly. Uh, So dig around and find it. Yep. Emily, is there any filmmaker or films that you would like to recommend? Yes. I have a couple that I want to recommend next. The first filmmaker I would like to recommend is Matty Diop. She's a Senegalese French filmmaker. And her film, Atlantics, is a wonderful ghost story. You will love it. It's I don't know, just stunningly shot and beautifully paced. It's and also magic, kind of the same yeah. way that Eve's Bayou is. It's it's accepted magic in the world that that we find. So I think it'll just be a really good chaser mm-hmm. to this film. Yeah. Um, plus, she's just a wonderful filmmaker and actor. Yes. You can also see her in 35 Shots of Rum, mm-hmm. with directed by Claire Denis, another incredible filmmaker. Yeah. You're welcome. There's more coming. Yeah. Um, so those are the two to start with. The other one I want to recommend is a total right turn. Uh-huh. It is spring, 
And I am all about getting back to hiking and backpacking. And I'm obsessed with watching hiking vlogs and stuff. Uh-huh. So I would recommend the documentary Mile, Mile and a Half, which was a 2013 documentary made by a couple of guys who went and hiked the John Muir Trail. Mm-hmm. And it's really beautifully shot. They schlepped 80 to 90 pounds of gear. Like morons. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have the lightweight stuff we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they schlepped some real heavy gear over 200 miles. And so I just, if you're feeling like you need to go backpacking, uh, but you're actually too lazy to go outside and it's cold, watch Mile, Mile and a Half. It's really good. Yeah. It's a lovely film. Well, thank you as always for joining us for another episode of Stumble Upon Movies. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fishtown Films. Mm -hmm. As always, we will ignore your messages on Twitter simply because we can't remember the password, but DM us on instagram send us any questions anything you're working on any recommendations that you'd like us to cover and just check in on our stories to see what movie we're going to be watching next oh one last thing Mm. uh we are under 30 days till mahoning (gasps) so uh, for those of you in the new york city philadelphia region mm -hmm. mahoning drive-in is going to be reopening soon Yeah, that's going to be fucking awesome. Check them out on the internet. Yes. Mahoning was built in the 40s, I believe 1947, and has been running ever since. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So absolutely look up Mahoning Drive-In if you're based in New York City or Philadelphia or willing to jump in your car and drive a really long distance. Yeah. Depending on where you're living. Yeah. And we'll see you there. See you there. So thanks again for stopping by. And we look forward to talking with you next time on whatever we post in our stories next. Whatever it is. Take care. Bye. Bye.